Okay, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Planning Policy Working Group. Um, I sense everybody is not here, but I'll ask for apologies. Um, apologies from Councillors Dean and Parry. Do we know if there are any... So there, so there are no Liberal Democrats coming this evening? No, they're not, no. No, okay. And um, is your colleague coming, John? Oh, right, okay. Right, okay. Okay, in which case I, I, I sense we might all be here then. Uh, so, um, declarations of interest. There are none. Minutes of the previous meeting. Do you find those to be a true record? Yeah? Okay. Uh, we'll take the um, matters arising of that meeting and I'll take PP 16 to 18 and I'll raise my own matter arising on that if I may. The presentation by the Planning Advisory Service uh, triggers uh, the question about the comments they made then and indeed the scrutiny committee and just seeking assurance uh, that we are uh, faithfully following uh, the recommendations in our new plan. If I could just ask that from officers. And how will we know that we are following their recommendations? Yes, I think that the, the, well, the, the, clearly we have been through everything that the Planning Advisory Service has supplied to us very carefully and we have reflected all of those recommendations in the work that's ongoing. Um, in terms of the specific commission that the Planning Advisory Service were engaged upon in relation to the Scrutiny Committee, that has now finished, and Mr Dodgson has now, uh, is now covering the northeast of England, I believe. However, the Planning Advisory Service are still very much there, and we are able to call upon their services from time to time, although I think we have to appreciate that their, their resources are somewhat limited, so we have to be a little bit selective about what we put in their direction. But uh, certainly um, that, that resource is still there. Well, thank you for that. And for those who weren't at the um, Parish and Town Council forum yesterday on the local plan, you won't have seen uh, that Mr Payne put up a, um, a slide indicating some of the points raised by PAS and how uh, this iteration of the plan was um, following that guidance. Um, so that was helpful. So what, if I may, if I could ask for the next for the next planning policy working group in November, if we could have perhaps a slightly expanded version of that, that this group can just reassure itself that all the points that were raised are systematically being followed through? Yes, we can, we can certainly do that. Um, I think that uh, it's also the case that in some of the agenda items tonight, you'll see those points specifically being, being flagged up. So we can have a discussion on those tonight and then we can reflect on those again in, in November. Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much. Okay, moving on. Uh, PP 19, 20, 21, 22, and 23. Okay, well, thank you for that. I shall duly sign the minutes as a true record um, at the end of the meeting. Um, I've got three uh, speakers, um, Jackie Cheatham for item six, uh, Rod Higgins and Joan Morgan for item 
11. So when we get to those items, uh, I will call upon you. Um, the item four on our agenda is the um, strategic housing market assessment, um, which has a slightly different title on the agenda item, the West Essex and East Hertfordshire strategic housing market assessment. And I'll call upon Andrew Taylor to comment on that. Thank you, Chairman. Yes, agenda item four. Um, this is uh, a quite an important part of our evidence base. This is the strategic housing market assessment, which we've carried out um, jointly with our colleague councils in East Hearts, Epping Forest and Harlow. This report was received by the uh, Corporation Board of those councils at its meeting last week. Um, and a number of iterations have gone to that board over recent months. So this report is now finished and uh, obviously it's been published as part of this agenda paper and will be published by the other councils in the next few weeks. As my covering report states um, or sets out, it, it goes through the, the workings of the housing market area, uh, looking at the demographic projections and how it started off from the uh, DCLG, Department of Communities and Local Government figures, um, and looking at the more detail in relation to the local area, picking up the housing mix and tenure specific to our local area, and looking at the, the type of need um, and tenure that we would need to, to plan for ideally moving forward. And then moves on to uh, develop our objectively assessed need figure, which comes out of all those uh, assessments and, and assumptions. This follows the, the guidance as set out um, in the planning policy guidance and also other information uh, from various appeals, public inquiries, local plan inquiries that have happened across the country. One of the things you remember in our um, local plan examination was the issue of housing market signals. And you'll see certainly in my paragraph 32, um, the assessment by our consultants in relation to how we should respond to that and obviously much more detailed in the report. And what that does is it therefore comes out with a figure for the total housing market area. This is the best fit housing market area which these four authorities which has been the same as we've used over a number of previous reports. And it comes out with a figure of 12,500 dwellings in Uttlesford over a 22 year period which is 568 dwellings per year. And that will be then the objectively assessed need figure for Uttlesford District um, and we would then need to use that, uh, feed it into the local plan process um, as part of the objective evidence base um, and then obviously carry out the other assessments that we've been talking about in terms of working out how we might deliver that, how we might deliver that over, over the district and working with our neighbours to ensure, this is the important part, working with our four neighbouring councils to ensure that the objectively assessed need for the whole housing market area is delivered within the area. And you'll be aware we've discussed the uh, duty to cooperate in um, some detail at these meetings before, and we need to ensure and engage positively in those discussions with the authorities to ensure that we have a collective view about how the housing is going to be delivered and that uh, the, ideally, and this is the aim, that we will enter into um, a memorandum of understanding which clearly sets out how, where and by whom the, uh, the dwellings are going to be delivered across that housing market area. So it is quite clear that that need is being delivered. Thank you, Chairman.
Thank you very much to Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Um, Chairman, the main document here is 114 pages long. It's an incredibly complicated document. Um, and it's actually a very thorough document. And I think the things that we have to realise is that the document takes on board hidden households, concealed households, overcrowding, the demographics of the area, the employment, um, future growth. And it takes an enormous amount of statistics and facts and figures to, to come up with, with the end figure. But I think more importantly to us that it uses a 10% 10-year in, in-migration trend, which is what inspectors recently have been looking for. And it also suggests a 20% uplift for market signals. Um, the 20% is more than we looked at last time round, where if you remember the inspector suggested a minimum of 10% for market signals. But there are more plans which are proving to be acceptable to inspectors when a 20% uplift is applied and also a 10-year in-migration trend. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you. Other? Councillor Lodge. Yes, three. Uh, three uh, Mike, uh, John. I think by now I've got used to it. Um, this may, first, first question may be partly due to my, my ignorance and apologies if it is, but um, doing this in cooperation with the, with the other three authorities, did, did this happen with, with the last Schmar, however, what was that, two or three years ago? Um, yes, it did. Uh, one of the first things that the consultants are asked to do is, is devise what's called a housing market area, which is the best fit of people who are living, working, moving within, within that area. And what they look at is, is that correlation of people living and working within the area, trying to get the best fit. The last um, schmar included Broxbourne as well. Um, it, do, it doesn't mean that we don't have relationships outside that area, and of course we yeah. do. Cambridge, Braintree, Chelmsford, you know, wider to London, of course they all have those impacts. But this is looking at a best fit for the area. Certainly Harlow and Epping Forest are pretty much you know, tightly within that area. Uh, East Hart, similarly to us, has boundaries to the, uh, the, the west, um, where north and west, where, where it, it goes into other large conurbations, and so it's housing market area and the influence is different. But yes, this is the, the grouping that we've worked with before, but the consultants are happy and have gone through, and if you look in the document in detail, looked at all the different uh, metrics to work out that, yes, they're happy that this is the best fit area to work on. But it does quite clearly set out um, that certainly for us, we have to continue and ensure we're working very closely with Cambridgeshire South Cams, Braintree, Chelmsford to ensure we've got that link up. So this is going to lead on to my second. Sorry, Chairman, I have to no, read. Leading on to my my second, that um, the the one thing we really want about this is for it to be inspector proof. So um, it looks to be an incredibly thorough job, but I would imagine that the last one was pretty pretty thorough as well. We we were we were called out by our inspector. You would rather imagine then that if, 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 other, uh, if, the, if the other three had been inspected at the same time, they, with the same inspector, they could have been similarly called out. Obviously, the timings didn't, ha didn't cause that to happen. Uh, just so you can comment on that. But just to say then, are, are we as confident as we can be at the moment that this, this is going to stick? And can we keep, what can we do then to keep it current through the likely 18 months, two years of the planned process? I suppose the first thing to say is that the previous schmar was developed under previous methodology um, and guidance has moved on, the national planning policy framework came out, so if you like our assessment at the local plan, 
the Shemar was sort of been superseded by some events in terms of the changing national planning policy. So it's not quite the same situation as we have here. But you're quite right. The issue we have with not just this evidence base, with all our evidence bases, is that things change. You know, every six months new population figures come out. The thing we need to ensure we're doing is keeping a, a watchful eye to set whether there's anything that's dramatically different. I think that's the key thing. Whether thing that will significantly change where we are. We need to be quite confident about that and need to keep that under review, but that's not just in relation to this, but that's any evidence base. The uh, Councillor Barker mentioned more recent uh, local plan examinations, and uh, so they, the consultants have taken on board things that have been happening across the country since our, you know, examinations since R1. So it is up to date in terms of this is the currently you know, adopted methodology and assumptions taking account of what's been happening across the country. If I could just uh, add there, Councillor Lodge. Um, we went to see the minister involved, Brandon Lewis, after uh, the last plan and, and talked about um, Mr Taylor has, has, has indicated about the changing schmar, so I think that was a relevant point the last time actually, but about the nonsense of trying to second guess the number um, and um, they gave some reassurance that they would try and overcome that and we've got some contacts which during the process before we actually go out specifically with the number and we'll come on to duty to cooperate in just a moment, we'll use those contacts just to get that reassurance that I think uh, we all want that reassurance because I think we're in a different place than we were last time uh, but we, we absolutely must not be tripped up around numbers again. It is a mathematical exercise so you have some confidence about the number but I think we need to belt and brace our certainty. There was a hand up which I'll come if, but I think oh. Councillor Lodge has one more point. So yes I was coming on to three. So, so about, uh, question 2C I think you've covered which is can we test it as we, as we go through the process and you seem to think you can. Question 3 hopefully will be short and, and easy. The 568 now is, is, is that now the new current basis for the five year supply? No. Um, it's quite clear that um, the 568 hasn't been tested. We've just been talking about that tested at examination. So I think we, this is emerging, this is part of the evidence base. This isn't necessarily our yearly projections that we need to deliver. What we do know is that under 580 we have a five-year five housing land supply and we've been testing a number of um, figures over, over it. We will start to test this one and run it as part of the information for the five-year land supply, but I think it would certainly be prudent at this stage to ensure that if we keep it a 580 figure, which has been through local plan examination and tested, then that would be much more prudent in terms of um, maintaining a robust supply for the five-year land supply. The, the, as I said, this, this is emerging evidence. What we also don't know, Councillor Rob just talked about any duty to cooperate issues. Now, if, if any additional housing we need to set, that would add on to that figure. So this is a starting point. So we need to look at constraints we might have. You know, can we deliver all that number ourselves? Being asked to take some. So this is not the final number that would be our yearly delivery target as part of the local plan. But we certainly need to start feeding it in as probably another column in our five-year um, supply um, matrix so that we can be looking at all of them but for the moment we need to be sticking to something that's been gone through an examination so we're still going to keep the 580 figure um, for them for the moment Councillor Oliver and then we'll come back if I may to do to cooperate Thank you Chairman 
On page 30, 30, 36, note that Epping Forest is due to have 11,300 dwellings, 514 a year. Now we know that Epping Forest is some 92% greenbelt. Thus, there is, I suspect, no confidence that they will be able to provide those houses and they will be looking to neighbouring councils to take a share of that 11,300 dwellings, which will then be added, a portion of that, I presume, that therefore will be added to our 568 and I presume as a similar situation is likely to emerge from Harlow because Harlow has obviously got very tight boundaries and I suspect they would have problems building 268 houses a year for 22 years. Have we any idea what additional houses we may have to take from that, is it duty to cooperate or from that sharing out of where they obviously cannot do it? If you've got 92% greenbelt compared to our 8% green belt, obviously somebody's going to have to take up the slack. I'm sure the, uh, Mr Taylor will give a very comprehensive answer, but uh, I think we should be clear that the duty to cooperate, which must be demonstrated to the inspector, is not a duty to accept. Um, and therefore there will be ro robust negotiation on this subject and there are a number of iterations which I'm sure Mr Taylor will indicate now uh, but it, it, you're right, it is an important part of the process and it will depend on the uh, classification of some of the green belt. Thank you Councillor Off. Um, yeah, I mean I suppose at this point I would challenge your assumption because at the moment um, our colleague councils have not carried out, um, certainly in relation to Harlow and Epping Forest that you mentioned, have not carried out their detailed phase two Greenbelt review. So just as I think Mr Payne at the last meeting indicated that we will be carrying out a Greenbelt review of our area, however small it may be, um, our colleague councils have been carrying out a review of their own Greenbelt to see whether or not the Greenbelt meets or parcels of the Greenbelt meets the five tests of Greenbelt that are set down in national guidance. So this is something that they have to do to critically examine their own Greenbelt to see whether or not it, it still should be Greenbelt or whether some areas shouldn't be for different reasons. So they are part way through that process and until they have finished that process we don't know what their evidence will demonstrate in terms of whether or not there is sufficient land that they could release from the Greenbelt that is of a lower quality in terms of those Greenbelt um, purposes, or whether or not, as you say, it's all absolutely fantastic and should be maintained as it is. And as Councillor Rolf said, we want to ensure that those reports and assessment is done very thoroughly and robustly to ensure that their evidence base that they come up with is bulletproof and that we feel that we're happy that they've done the best job they can do to fulfill and deliver their own needs in their area before they start thinking about talking to anyone else about um, asking other people to take their needs which I think we would probably expect to do if, if we were asking someone else to do that so I think it's only fair that, that our colleague councils do the same. Harlow is a little bit different in the fact that my understanding is that they can deliver their need within their boundary, with a, with maybe with a, a, some Greenbelt review, um, but they have aspirations for further growth, which 
would need to be delivered outside their boundaries, which is where other issues of duty to cooperate come on. So it's, um, I don't think it's a done deal. Um, it a, a, needs to be a proper thorough process of an evidence base that goes through. Um, so we've been uh, working with, uh, with those councils to ensure that they do it properly and that we're happy with what that is so that when we get to any potential discussions at a future date, we're happy that the evidence base is robust and we're starting from a point that we can agree on. But as Councillor Rolf said, we need to be very diligent from our own perspective um, in terms of critically examining the work they do. Answers we don't know how much we might additionally have to provide. That's, that's correct, yes. And we won't know until some point next year because the phase two Greenbelt review, I think, for Epping is due to be completed in March time, I think. So, you know, it, it's not until after that that things will become a bit clearer. We'll obviously know through the iteration of that document, but not until the end and councillors in Epping take a decision. I think you can rest assured, though, that... Um, uh, whilst we've got to demonstrate to the inspector uh, that we, you, you know, we understand the duty to cooperate, um, we will obviously want to protect the interests of the residents of Uttlesford, and that is our primary duty. Okay, well, I think I, I was, very much hope so, Jim. Uh, indeed, that's exactly what we'll be doing. Um, I think that was a very helpful exchange because I, uh, for those listening and those uh, in the room, uh, the question of why uh, our particular Schmar area um, is raised often and I think that you answered that question and obviously pointed out that that's not the only councils that we liaise with, liaising closely with South Cams and Braintree as well. Uh, it's interesting actually that the, the West Essex CCG is composed of Epping Forest, Uttlesford and Harlow so whether there's some um, continuance there uh, I, I, I'm not sure and then the point about the duty to cooperate which I'm sure um, will be much discussed but uh, that was a helpful illustration of that point. Now the um, recommendation item paragraph 3 that the working group note the published report West Essex and East Hertfordshire Strategic Housing Market Assessment September 2015 and its adoption into the local plan evidence based. Those in favour please show. Those against, carried unanimously. Thank you. Item 5, uh, the economic evidence to support the development of the OAHN for West Essex and East Hearts report. Mr Taylor. Thank you, Chairman. As, as part of the report we've just looked at, we also jointly commissioned um, a, a different consultancy to look at economic evidence in relation to the creation of jobs, the expected creation of jobs across the four districts. Jobs uh, and the requirement for workers obviously feeds into the amount of housing that is required. So this report, um, much smaller at a, at a paltry 32 pages, um, but this report goes into uh, significant detail about the types of um, uh, impacts that, that are happening on this area, both from a national level and a local level. And this information was then used to uh, sort of feed into the, the Schmar document. And in paragraph 12, you'll find another wonderful acronym, a FEMA, which is no longer something in your arm, but is um, uh, a functional economic market area. Um, and something else that we have to define, as well as the housing market area. Um, and uh, again, the consultants have, have done um, a number of different uh, assessments looking at the, uh, the, the, the FEMA. And again, um, and if you have the documents on page 6, um, it, it's not... It's not a nice fit, you know, there are, they, there are relationships to Cambridge, to London, to Braintree, to um, the North London Fringe, and so it, it's, not, it's not nice and um, contained as 
one would expect it, it's unlikely to be. The, so we've defined, or the consultants have defined the functional economic market area, and then they've come up with a range of uh, job growth assumptions in relation to um, our different areas. There was quite a lot of additional work in relation to looking at Stansted and the growth. You'll be aware that Stansted has had significant growth since its new ownership and the uh, published sustainable development plan um, has high aspirations for growth and actually their current projections are exceeding their, their published plan. Um, so that does have an impact in relation to um, the, the total um, job numbers. So if you look on the paragraph 15 and the chart in relation to that, You'll see that our previous um, local plan uh, jobs growth target was 460 um, per year, but the range from this report is 665 to 675. Now, that doesn't mean, and this has been taken into account in the Schmar, that doesn't mean that everybody who has a job in the district will live in the district. We know that only 19% of uh, workers at Stansted Airport live within our district, a much higher other proportions come from a much wider area and that will no doubt continue because of the nature of this regional employer. Um, but this is an uh, important piece of economic evidence. This will flow into the um, other uh, economic-based documents that we need to commission or update, um, but it has formed an important uh, element going into the Schmar. Thank you, Chairman. Any questions on uh, item 5? An important feed into the, um, the numbers. I guess, in a sense, we've covered some of this uh, already. Are there any specific questions about uh, economic evidence? No, I think we'll therefore note uh, recommendation four that uh, working group note the published report economic evidence to support the development of the OAHN for West Essex and East Hearts July 2015 and its adoption into the local plan evidence base. Those in favour? To note those against carried unanimously. We now come on to agenda item six, which is uh, about the first of our uh, several consultations, um, and Mr. Payne will take us through that. Uh, it's extremely important uh, that we consult carefully um, and without any kind of lead to the response. Um, and hopefully the um, consultation uh, does that, but I'm sure we can have a... You're absolutely right. Thank you very much indeed. Um, Ch Chairman, I think it would be better if Mr Payne did I think the presentation it first it would. and then we yeah, have the public but thank speaking. You. Uh, thank you, Councillor Barker. Um, and uh, it's very, as I said, it is very important that uh, these questions are laid out carefully. Um, so we'll hear from Mr Payne, then we'll hear from Mrs Cheatham, and then we'll have a discussion. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Um, this report sets out the proposed issues and options questionnaire for public consultation during the autumn. The questionnaire consists of 19 questions and supporting text, and subject to any amendments proposed uh, tonight, will be added to the electronic consultation portal on the Council's website for viewing before the start of the consultation period. The centrepiece of the questionnaire is formed by the areas of search and the scenarios which were supported by the working group at the last meeting on the 27th of July. At the last meeting, members requested that the potential for an additional area of search 
uh, in the vicinity of the proposed new junction 7A of the M11 should be considered. The maps at appendices B and C illustrate that this area lies within Epping Forest District and is therefore beyond the jurisdiction of Uttlesford District Council. However, as noted at paragraph 8 of the report, the preparation of local plans in the wider area is a matter of interest to Uttlesford District Council in the context of the duty to cooperate, and the Council will monitor the emerging plans, local plans of neighbouring local planning authorities in particular. In relation to the draft text presented here, Councillor Dean, who's un unfortunately uh, not here tonight, um, has proposed four amendments as follows. Um, to section 2.1, Above the box, uh, he uh, suggests that we amend set the second paragraph to read the box below contains the vision proposed in the previous draft because as written its status is ambiguous. Um, then to the table in section 2.3, he proposes that we delete the, word, uh, for the reference to Forest Hall Park from the table because it's part of Stansted Mount Fitchett and shouldn't be singled out. Then in relation to section 3.6, he suggests that we delete the last line of the first paragraph and the last sentence of the fifth paragraph, both of which could be misunderstood as implying that the council had already decided the strategy for the villages. And finally, the second line on page 26 uh, replaced the word developed with prepared. Um, it's, officers propose that these changes to the text should be made as suggested by Councillor Dean. <coughs> Councillor Dean's also suggested that reference should be made as part of questions three and six to poor housing mix in the villages and variations in the price of housing between different settlements. Um, officers have noted these points but feel that they would be more appropriately addressed as part of the ongoing process of assessment rather than as text within the consultation documents. Therefore, uh, no changes to the consultation document are proposed in relation to these latter points. A further change will involve the replacement of the references to the sustainability appraisal shown in yellow with the correct, correct reference to the non-technical summary, which will be discussed later under Agenda Item 9, and details of where to locate the sustainability appraisal will also be provided in the introduction. Uh, following tonight's meeting, it's proposed that a report should be taken to full council on the 13th of October prior to the start of the consultation based on the updated consultation questionnaire and seeking council agreement to consult on the revised document. Thank you, Mr Payne. Mrs Cheatham? May I ask uh, whether... Members in the hall have also got copies. Uh, the, the, the questionnaires relate to the, the next item on the agenda on the engagement strategy, and there are sufficient copies for, I think I brought 10 copies, so one okay. for each member of the working group. Okay, right, Mrs. Cheatham. Thank you, Chairman, for letting me speak. Um, I wish to raise three points, and one of them actually relates to item nine, but why don't I say it now, because it saves bobbing up and down. Um, 
First of all, can I thank you for the parish forum last night? It was very useful, and I look forward to having the slides. I believe we're going to get them after next Wednesday. Is that correct? Good. Um, as I said at the last meeting, the issues and options stage, with its blue blobs, has set hairs running in the villages around this district. Um, and I understand from the parish forum last night that we are not likely to get a district plan before 2018. Um, 17. Can, hmm? 17. Well, there was 18 written on the board, but maybe you can um, uh, let me know it was to, whether you got an inspector. Well, let's, let's, let's deal with that one now, Mr. Payne. Uh, yes, yeah, sure. The, so the, um, the intention is that we will submit the draft the, the, the plan to the planning inspectorate in 2017 yeah. however we don't know how long it will take the inspectorate to examine it so that, there is an element of uncertainty there right and therefore it is likely to be that many speculative applications planning applications will be submitted around the, for around the district can I have assurances that Attlesford District Council will do everything in its power to fight these applications so we do not end up with a vast amount of housing in areas that are not suitable for these developments? Uh, and I, I refer to the comments made last night that uh, we were assured that no stone would be unturned and even right up to the last minute you will be making sure that you got the right sites. So there has to be a sort of a balance between um, speculative developments and, um, and the plan and I do hope that Uttlesford this time can look to see how they can manage that. Uh, the second point I'd like to make is Chairman you have said that all the process for this uh, plan will be open and transparent when making it and does that also mean that the minutes of meetings that the officers have with developers, and we know these happens because the developers are telling them they're coming here, um, will also be made available for the public for scrutiny because it worries people in parishes what goes on behind closed doors, as you know. Um, the third point I want to make on the evidence mapping section, as I cannot see any mention of the countryside protection zone. Now, this is a very important policy for those that live in the south of the district. We have won many appeals because of that policy, and I, we would hate to see it go because it stops coalescence with the airport and maintains Stansted Airport as an airport in the countryside. So I hope that it's just me not reading it right, although I have read it three times and somebody else has read it. And I can't see that you are taking that into consideration when you do your sifting. I might be wrong, it might be in another docu document, but I want to have some assurances that that will be taken into consideration, like protected lanes, flood zones, and other things like that. So I know that belongs to number nine, but maybe they can answer it on number nine, if that's all right. So thank you very much. Thank you. Um, well, I'll, I, I will get a response um, from officers, but uh, clearly the uh, planning process will continue. Uh, applications will continue to come in, uh, but it would be the intention of this council that uh, no major decision was made until we had clarity about our plan. That would be inappropriate. 
Um, as far as the second point is concerned, I will consult with officers. We do want to be as transparent as possible. I can assure you no dodgy deals are done behind closed doors, but I take your point that if that people think there might be, then that is a concern, so we will consider and review that. Um, on your last point, I've been pointed out by Councillor Barker that there is, a res uh, uh, there is an iteration there um, on paragraph 3.7.1, but I don't know whether Mr. Taylor or Mr. Payne will add meat to what I've just said. I was not insinuating any dodgy deals. I was just no, saying that it no, would I, help the parishes sure. if they knew yeah. that these meetings were going on. Please don't misunderstand. No, no, no. Uh, and you make a very important point, actually, because the most successful applications are where the developer and the landowner, actually, and the planning authority and the local council stroke community are working as one and these are always the best solutions and that is that is a pretty key point to the way that we operate Thank you, Chairman. On speculative development, um, I mean, I, I have to agree with you. Um, we have a planning process. It's not our planning process. It's a national planning process. That cannot stop. It doesn't stop. And if, develop, um, if applica applications come in, whether that's for a side extension, which is exactly the same because we're reviewing that policy in the local plan, or whether it's for a 1,000 houses, we will deal with it exactly the same as we, we always have done. We have to assess it against our adopted local plan. We have to assess it against the national planning policy framework. What we do know is that at the moment we have a five-year housing land supply, so um, there is no automatic assumption that we should be granting applications, but we need to seriously consider it because the um, national planning policy framework puts in a presumption in favour of sustainable development. So even if we have a five-year land supply, developments that are sustainable that might come forward and be proposed um, are suitable for being approved and we can't stop um, just because we are doing a local plan process um, even if we may want to because I completely understand your point about making big decisions and that's always the danger always the difficulty in the system that we have. In terms of minutes with developers um, we have actually um, I think there's, we need to be quite clear what we're talking about. This is the local plan working group. So in relation to meetings with, in relation to the local plan, um, you'll see that item 10 is dealing with meetings with um, large-scale developers. Um, and, you know, we, we have a, I'll cover that later, um, but we have a process that is clearly set out in relation to that. Um, the uh, countryside protection zone has been one of the things taken into account um, in relation to the sustainability appraisal in relation to um, item 9. Um, as part of the new local plan, we will have to review the countryside protection zone. It is not a national designation, it is a local designation. So we will have to ensure, have to make a decision about whether we want to keep it or not, or change it, or alter it. And therefore, it's not an absolute policy. It's an absolute constraint, like, for example, flooding. So we'll need to um, take it carefully into account when we assess sites. And yes, it may very well be one of the layers that rules sites out, but it's difficult to say we can't say at this stage um, because it's something that members, officers and members will have to consider and um, discuss how we take it forward because it is part of the review of the local plan. Okay, thank you. Other members of the committee, um, remind you what you're going to be asked to vote on. 
that this questionnaire be supported as the basis for a public consultation in autumn 2015. It will go through the Council, um, but I do encourage uh, group leaders uh, to uh, discuss with your members so if there are any queries that we can obviously sort those out before the Council meeting. Um, th th these questionnaires have, have already been through one iteration uh, of consultation so um, I think uh, they, they have been seen, they have been commented upon and you heard some of the comments uh, from Councillor Dean that came in uh, later on. Uh, but uh, colleagues, any, any other comments about the questionnaire? Is this, is this a a fair set of questions that do we feel um, cover the key issues. Chairman, it's very, very similar, in fact, to the questionnaire that was produced last time prior to well, the, the start or halfway through the local plan. So it's, it has already been, in effect, tried and tested, I would suggest. But so really not in a position to comment too much. What one question for officers. Um, the way that we consult with our community was one of the PAS comments. They didn't say that we didn't do it well, actually. That was one of the areas that uh, they were quite complimentary. Are they, have we, have we uh, shown this questionnaire to them, and are they comfortable? Uh, yes, this document in particular um, I did send to uh, Mr Dodgson and Mr Ford, who were... Uh, the, the team who were advising the council in relation to the scrutiny committee, um, they made one suggestion which has been incorporated into the version that's presented to the working group tonight. Um, other than that, they, they thought it was a robust piece of work. Thank you. Councillor Parker. Chairman, I would just ask, is there a place on uh, where one can respond that actually is sort of not quite none of the above, but I've got another idea? Uh, yes, question 19. Okay, well I sense, as I say, this, this is not the first time that uh, members have seen this and they have already uh, put comments in, but I sense that uh, we're satisfied that this is a, um, a, a, a robust set of uh, questions to put to our community. As I say, we'll go through council. I ask council leaders and maybe... Uh, ask perhaps officers to get in touch with the Liberal Democrats in Council Dean's absence just to make sure that they're comfortable so that at the council meeting if there are any queries we've um, had, had some discussion about that in advance. Otherwise um, I put the recommendation uh, that's at the bottom of uh, paragraph to that the issues and options consultation questionnaire be supported as the basis for a public consultation in autumn 2015 in accordance with regulation 18 of the local planning regulations. Those in favour? Those against? Carried unanimously. Thank you. I come on to item 7, which is the engagement strategy. Mr Payne. Thank you, Chairman. Um, <clears throat> item 7 on the agenda contains an engagement strategy at Appendix A, which sets out the proposed approach to consultation and wider issues of engagement with the community and key stakeholders. Preparation of an engagement strategy was one of the recommendations of the independent review of the submission local plan, as reported to the Scrutiny Committee earlier this month. The report seeks to formalise arrangements in respect of the duty to cooperate and also sets out the proposed approach to the public consultation, uh, proposed to commence on the 22nd of October and close on the 4th of December. 
Uh, members of the working group have each been given a sample printout of the leaflet and poster that are contained in uh, the appendices to the report. Uh, these are the proposed final versions of these items following an early draft sent to working group members for comment a couple of weeks ago. The report explains that consultation needs to be targeted at key points in the plan making process and that engagement needs to be structured so that inputs can be meaningfully assembled and fed into the process. Structured engagement is an important concept in terms of project management of the local plan to ensure that resources can be managed and progress can be maintained. It's also an important component of the approach to management of stakeholders, including duty to cooperate bodies, town and parish councils, landowners and developers, and infrastructure providers. As discussed at previous meetings, the report makes a distinction between technical studies, which do not make policy decisions, and the development strategy, which is where all the information is brought together and balanced to reach a recommendation to the Council in terms of the most appropriate locations for development. Technical studies are not subject to public consultation for this and other practical reasons, including their length and complexity. However, it's often the case that input from relevant technical experts is sought in relation to technical studies as part of the process of structured engagement. Consultation and engagement occur within a framework provided by legal and regulatory requirements, and it's essential that the Council complies with these in undertaking work on the local plan. These requirements include the need to consider consultation responses in accordance with the planning merits of any issues raised, rather than simply in accordance with the number of responses received. Finally, the engagement strategy draws attention to the crucial role of district councillors in terms of communicating the local plan process to local people and groups. To assist in this regard, a briefing session for all councillors was held recently and copies of the presentation circulated to all members. Thank you very much indeed. Councillor Davis. Um, thanks for, um, for, for this piece of work, uh, Martin. It was just to say that we have a meeting of our community engagement task group on the 5th of October, so that'll be next Monday. Um, so whether it might be useful um, if you're around to maybe engage with uh, ourselves and Peter Snow on that, but it's just to make sure that what we start to take away around the, the model that we're looking to create aligns with this, because obviously there's a, there's a prescient need around this particular piece of work. Um, of course, there'll be a lot of focus on that for us, um, but obviously in time it's going to be a much wider piece of work. But um, that's, we've just set that up today, so it's just, a, just wanted to make sure you were aware and, and be more than happy to, um, to have you present to, to join us on, on Monday. Just on a matter of detail, I had um, the Dunmo part of the consultation down for the 12th of November. It's now moved to the 17th. The only trouble with that date is there's also a scrutiny meeting on the same night. Now, at the end of the day, that doesn't, um, you know, not that many people will be involved, um, but we should be aware, and as I say, I don't know why it moved from the 12th. Yeah, it was, sorry, it was simply a difficulty with getting venues sorted out. Um, the venues weren't, wasn't available on the dates. Um, uh, it's been quite difficult, actually, to find venues and get dates together but we can we can look at that obviously if there's a clash there um, we can look at that straight away tomorrow but 
it, in an ideal world, we'd, we, yeah. we'd avoid it. I, uh, I think we're all okay. checking diaries, yeah. but um, yeah. I'll there, I'll there are some Dunmo councillors who sit yes. on the scrutiny committee, so right. if they did particularly want to, it would be ideal to avoid it. You haven't printed everything yet, have you? No. No. Uh, so I think we should just look at that. Um, and um, it, you made a very helpful presentation to councillors. Uh, inevitably, not everybody could make it. I think we should uh, take off line tomorrow. Um, we have a council meeting on um, October the uh, 13th, and um, it does occur to me that uh, I think perhaps some of the highlights of, of your presentation might be repeated at that meeting. So let's have a discussion about that. Because you're absolutely right, it's crucial that everybody is crystal clear about this process. Um, okay, any other comments on the Council Lodge? On the, on the time plan uh, item back on page. Um, uh, Mike, uh, John. So, yes, on page, page 59 it mentions that council elections happen every five years rather than four. Fifty-nine on this evening's notes. Okay, thank you. Councillor Mills. Um, just one quick point. Um, I think you made a statement there that said technical information would not necessarily be available to the public. Am I correct in that? Some of the technical no, detail of some it, of the it's surveys. All, it's all public and people can comment on it. So um, it would be available for people it, to it's view. It's available to view, yes. All of the sort of information on which you're basing what you're putting forward Everything is available. Is in the public domain. That's fine. I just wanted that yeah. clarified. Thanks, Martin. Okay, I see no other comments. Um, so the recommendation, paragraph four, that the engagement strategy contains appendix A be supported. Five, that the draft poster and leaflet contained appendices B and C be supported for printing. We've just got a date query. Uh, that the dates for the start and close of the consultation be agreed. Um, and, uh, well, it's the statutory period, well, well in advance of Christmas. And as soon as the consultation finishes, then the details of the call for sites will be made public. Um, so those in favour? Those against? Carried unanimously. Thank you. Item 8, evidence mapping. I have Hannah down for this, but I sense it might be somebody else. <laughs> Right. Thank you, Mr. Payne. Um, <coughs> right. Okay. Um, so this report sets out uh, the maps available in the council's mapping system, and which will be used as part of the evidence base to inform the council's assessment of the suitability of different locations around the district to accommodate some level of development. The maps include a range of different data, including information relating to the natural and historic environment, flood risk, minerals and waste, landscape character, agricultural land, and a number of others. These maps were compiled following meetings with the relevant bodies, the notes of which are included at Appendix 3. Members and others are encouraged to notify the planning policy team if there is other mapped evidence available which can be used as part of the assessment process. Some of the mapped data contained within the report has already been used to inform the sustainability appraisal of the areas of search, as will be discussed in relation to the next report this evening. 
Right, thank you. Uh, I think we're familiar with the mapping process, but are there any comments? The recommendation is to support the evidence mapping report. Those in favour? Against, carried unanimously. Item 9, the sustainability appraisal and strategic environmental assessment of areas of search and strategic scenarios consultation. Sarah. Thank you. Um, a, stay in the, uh, a sustainability appraisal of the issue, issues and options consultation, which we've already discussed, has been carried out and will be subject to the same six weeks six-week consultation. Um, sustainability appraisals have been discussed at previous meetings. Members will recall that they are a statutory requirement and the purpose is to test policies and proposals against sustainability objectives in a consistent and transparent manner and importantly to allow the testing of alternatives. The appraisal comprises a non-technical summary the full environmental report and two annexes. All the documents are on the website and the non-technical summary is included as one of the agenda documents tonight. The appraisal has taken the form of a narrative considering the known existing constraints and opportunities against the 15 sustainability objectives. If you look at the non-technical summary attached, these form a series of bullet points considering potential issues to overcome and likely benefits. The very broad conclusions of the appraisal is that new settlements, due to their size and scale, have better scope to mitigate negative impacts on site. However, proportionate expansion of existing settlements, which are mindful of the local constraints, could be important to ensure housing is delivered in the earlier stages of the plan period. In relation to the scenarios, no single scenario um, to meet the housing needs is can meet, the whole, sorry, can meet the housing needs in a wholly sustainable manner. There are sustainability issues in all cases. So, for example, in new, set, new settlements have issues of ensuring a five-year land supply, impact on landscape, um, not meeting housing needs of existing settlements, problems of the capacity of existing infrastructure in the interim period before it's provided as part of the new development. In villages, development in the villages, you have problems of um, locally significant impact on, environment and, on the environment, natural and historic features, poor public transport services, and the scale of development unlikely to improve services. And in the towns, you have sort of similar scale, similar issues being raised, sustainability issues being raised. In conclusion, the appraisal is published alongside the policy documents for consultation. Any comments received will be considered. The findings of this appraisal and the results of the consultation will identify any gaps in the evidence base which need to be filled and assist the Council in refining the spatial strategy and options and reasonable alternatives. Also appended to this report is a summary of the Council's response to the PAS Critical Friend Review of the SA process. The matter was discussed at scrutiny on the 10th of September. The table in the appendix confirms that although the majority of the requirements were met, improvements could be made and these have been taken on board by our consultants. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, a, a, a key part of the exercise, the appraisal of the areas of search. Um, comments uh, from any colleagues? Councillor Lodge. Thank you, yes. Um, I must confess to having not read the full document. 
Uh, sorry, not, not the background document, but, but had a, um, a very good look at the document as presented in the minutes. Um, and he does seem rather bland. So very, very similar comments on, on so many of the sites. And so I suppose the question that comes to my mind is then, do, do we need something more of a scoring system? Or how then are we going to refine this down and, 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 and make some choices out of a fairly large bag of places that we could choose? Um, yes, we... <coughs> I have some experience of this previously, and it's um, scoring systems in sustainability appraisal at this stage can be quite counterproductive because it can become quite subjective how you weight the scores at this stage because at the moment we don't have any proposals on the table. We're simply looking at a series of observations of uh, and it's information that we need to take into account as we're going through that process. So what we need to do as we go through each of the areas of search moving forwards is to see what the facts are, what the, what the evidence is that we need to take account of, and then the next stage of sustainability appraisal is likely to introduce some kind of scoring, weighting, to make that kind of evaluation possible. But, um, but certainly the experience that I've had in the past with at this uh, very early stage is that it's premature to introduce weighting because it can give a false impression uh, of the suitability of, of areas where we, we really don't know what the extent of the areas that we're looking at is at the moment. Um, so um, something I think to look at a little bit further down the line. Could I just come back and, and uh, maybe put some words into the officer's mouth there, in that what you, what, what you seem to be saying was that whilst this plan is not going to be developer-led, there's now a hint that we may be being led by some of the developer pro proposals on the specific areas of search. No, not at no. all. It's sim Sorry, simply that, um, as I say, we don't, we don't have, um, at the moment, the areas are very broad that we're looking at. So at the moment, it's more of a, an evidence-gathering exercise. So uh, I think if you look at the report, there's a little diagram that explains the three-stage process um, of SA, and we're still on the first step in that. So it's really the next step where we'll be narrowing down and making some of those evaluations. At this stage, the report is really presented for information purposes as a set of observations on each of those areas, which we can then take account of as we move forward. Monsieur, just one final clarification. Yes, I, may, I, I may have been unkind on that. I, so it is still pretty much um, driving the process on an, an objective basis and, and not yet looking at individual developer proposals. Thank you. Absolutely, yeah. But you, you, you make an important point because there is the chicken and the egg here. And as you, on what basis do you gradually narrow down until you've actually got a criteria? Because we all understand that these houses have got to go somewhere. Uh, everybody in this room uh, would have uh, ideas of where they might or might not want them. And a number of people in this room will be disappointed with the eventual outcome. That we know for certain. Uh, but the key point is that they understand it has been an objectively based assessment uh, based on key criteria and uh, done for the most appropriate reason. So I think 
I think your answer has demonstrated that, uh, but we have to, that has to be the founding principle of the exercise, uh, that there's no element of subjectivity, that it is all criteria-based. Okay. Any other comments? But it is a key part of the exercise. Um, before anybody else points it out, there are two T's in Uttlesford on the website in the paragraph two. I'm sure you picked that up. Um, and uh, the recommendation is that the sustainability appraisal and strategic environmental assessment of the areas of search and, again, there's another spelling, strategic scenarios consultation is published for consultation alongside the issues and options consultation questionnaire. Those in favour? Those against? Carried unanimously. Moving on to item 10, which is the assessment of large-scale proposals submitted through the call for sites against the Garden City Principles update. Mr Taylor. Thank you, Chairman. Yeah, I referred um, briefly to it, <coughs> <excuse> me, <coughs> referred briefly to it earlier um, um, in, in my uh, response to Mrs Cheatham. Um, you will remember that as part of the call for sites, we asked larger scale development proposals to um, submit an assessment in relation to their proposals against the Garden City principles. And... Uh, You'll, you'll be aware that the consultation that we're just about to embark upon um, includes options which include new settlement proposals. And hopefully you'll also remember that you asked officers at a previous meeting that we needed to be on the front foot with these issues so that at the time that you came to make decisions and narrow the options down, as Councillor Office just said, you had sufficient knowledge and information. So what um, we have started to do, um, we have uh, appointed um, Garden City Development CIC to work with us um, and we've started to meet with proposals uh, submitted for over a thousand units to test whether or not the Garden City principles can be embedded properly within their proposals to see what appetite there is for working closely with the council um, in different legal frameworks. Um, so that we have sufficient information to be able to give that to you at the appropriate stage so that you can make those um, judgments. Um, and then there will be uh, a detailed assessment will be carried out and that will be published at the same time as the call for sites. There will be the, the formal call for sites um, assessment and then a more... Um, um, I was going to say wordy, but it's not the right word... Um, a, a, an assessment carried out, but, but much more of an explanatory style report talking about the discussions that we've had with the, with the developers. And then that will all be made public, um, and then that will help to inform members in terms of going forward with those decisions. But really, this is just to let people know that we've started with the work that you asked us to do, so that at the time you need to make decisions and, and hone down on these, uh, these options, we have the necessary information to supply to you. Thank you very much, and I think that's absolutely the right approach. But I must emphasise that uh, we are certainly at this stage not saying that a garden city will be built in Uttlesford. It might be, it might not be, but I think the approach so that it's a simultaneous uh, piece of work so that um, we don't have to do that at the end of the process, but it's alongside the process, is absolutely right. Comments? Mm -hmm. Chairman, you used the word garden city. Are we not looking at garden villages? A garden well, uh, city uh, in 
here would certainly mop up most of the housing that's assessed that we need of the 12,500 houses. Are we going to have a city? <laughs> it's, a city has, normally has a cathedral, so I sense we probably won't. But uh, I think it, the term is garden city. Uh, but officers will tell us that there is an optimum size to start. You could call them a village. A, a village sounds, certainly sounds more palatable, but I think there is, a, there is a number of thousands involved here. I'll ask officers for clarification. Um, yes, Jim, before I do that, I'm also going to say that we've made it quite clear to all the people we're meeting that no decisions have been taken about whether we're going down this line of a new settlement or not. Um, we've used the phrase garden development rather than garden city or garden village to be slightly more ambiguous. But, um, I mean, Councillor Rolf is, is right. If we went down the route of a new settlement proposal, it would not all be built in this plan period. It would be built over many plan periods and, and many years because of the, the scale of, of, of development. So probably we are looking at eventually something in the 10,000 region, possibly, in terms of a new settlement. That's what um, Garden City Developments um, think of as an ideal figure in terms of being able to support the total number of uh, facilities um, in relation to that. But and we're nowhere near that, that stage yet. Um, but any larger scale settlement will develop over a number of years um, and over many plan periods, if that's the route we went down. Thank you, Councillor. You want to come back, Councillor? Yeah, I was just, I'm still concerned about this expression, because you're saying if we built a garden development, which would be many thousand houses, but surely when you are building such a development, the first thing you would do would build the core, i.e. the shopping and the everything else to which the people and to which the people would come. You wouldn't just put a block of 500 or 1,000 houses because if you kept on putting blocks like that, you're, not, you're going to get a very poor quality development, I would suggest. I'm not a planner, but I would have thought that's not the way you do it. That is absolutely the principle of the garden development. You may, I think you were at the meeting when we had the presentation uh, by them, and clearly the advantage is that this is a complete and a sustainable feature. It has all the facilities that uh, a, a new development would require, whether it be health or education or uh, public facilities. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't think it's right necessarily to talk about the number of houses because that can become quite alarming. But the beauty of the principle is that you start with a, um, a new piece of paper uh, and uh, create something in partnership with the developer and the landowner. That's the other uh, key aspect of the feature. So, um, but uh, we can come back and obviously have another presentation if necessary. But um, you're right, you don't do it in 500 house lumps. The only thing I wanted to add was that that's exactly what we wanted to test. That's part of the discussions, you know, how would things develop, how would a site develop over a period of time, can it develop from a small number of houses and, and is it sustainable at all levels of its development. That's one of the things that we're trying to explore in terms of what I've classed as deliverability, you know, understanding exactly the point you've made about needing to have the necessary level of facilities at all stages of development. So that's exactly one of the things we need to test to be able to answer that, your question. Councillor Parker. Chairman, sure, I think this is just another piece of the jigsaw. I was trying to answer as Councillor Lodge said, at some point we're going to have to start whittling down ideas. If there are 6, 10, 12, 15 of these larger scales proposals put forward, we have to know at a fairly early stage which ones are not going to progress at all 
if we're indeed going down that route. And I understand that a workshop has been arranged for members in October to discuss some of this. Yes, so, you know, let's hope, well, discuss the principles of garden cities, whether that is one route we'd be considering taking. And uh, let's hope we can get a few members along to, to listen to that and engage in the conversation. Councillor Lodge. I rather feel though on that subject that we're not going to get a massive viable garden development proposals in that as I understand it, it is still the fact that much of the planning gain has to come to the community as opposed to uh, effectively going to the developers. So the scope for that happening in many places I think is still pretty small. Or am I wrong? Your mic, oh, sorry. Um, that's part of the detailed discussion we're going to have with the developers to ensure we fully understand and they are fully aware of what we're asking and what we're talking about so that we can test those and we can say are, you know, how strong are you on this point and how far are you prepared to go. That's not going to be used as part of the initial assessments but if we get for in terms of wheedling out sites that's going to be done on pure you know, planning if you like proper planning grounds of whether it floods or not, or you know, greenbelt assessments, for example. But certainly, you know, that sort of knowledge and the deliverability of individual sites when we come later on in the process of saying we've got these three, they're equi, you know, equally, equally fantastic or equally harmful, we've got to make a decision, all these sort of other issues can then start to come into the, the balance. Any other questions? Uh, we're just noting the work being undertaken at this stage, uh, and that is the recommendation that the working group note the work being undertaken. Those in favour? Those against? Carried unanimously. Item 11, Gypsy and Traveller update, and we do have two um, uh, speakers on this item, but I think we'll follow the same pattern that we followed for item 6, which is that we'll ask uh, Mr Taylor to present, then we'll hear from Mr Higgins, then we'll hear from Mr Morgan, and uh, then we'll have a debate. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Yes, item 11, this is an update in relation to the work on gypsies and travellers. Um, you'll remember that we published a gypsy and travel accommodation assessment in 2014 and did a, a number of pieces of work following that. Um, the, the government, um, in the, uh, the midst of the summer recess, uh, published um, an update to um, or a new planning policy for traveller sites um, in August 2015, which replaced the previous version published in March 2012. It contains a number of changes in relation to gypsies and travellers, but uh, mainly, um, and uh, the key one in relation to the work of, of this working group, in relation to the definition of gypsies and travellers for planning purposes. That's quite key for planning purposes. Um, and that's set out in um, uh, paragraph 12 of my report. Um, and uh, while paragraph 1 is the same, paragraph 2 is the element that has changed. Um, and that they've introduced um, an additional test in relationships and travellers which needs to be taken into account when we're conducting an evidence base and looking at sites looking at the need <coughs> in assessing applications. And this really is in relation to whether um, about the nomadic habit of life. I don't need to read it all out. 
So this is uh, a clearly a significant change um, and we've been, on behalf of Essex authorities, we've been in contact with our consultants, ORS, um, who um, have ad advised us in relation to um, uh, this, this work. Um, and you'll see that um, the personal advice has been included um, in paragraph 14. So the advice um, is, is quite clear that uh, we need um, or to continue to monitor this for the time being to ensure that the uh, um, no judicial review has been put in against uh, this, this, this policy change, but then we will need to carry out uh, a reassessment of the evidence base to ensure that that is being carried out in accordance with the new definition um, and then go through the process again at that stage once we've got um, the new figures carrying out um, because obviously time will have developed, time will have changed, um, the sites may have changed in terms of what's available now might not be then, um, for example, and uh, as the local plan develops, policy designations may change, site characteristics may change. So we will have to carry out a, a review of um, the work that we've done to date. Um, and that is the unfortunate situation following the government's uh, publication in August. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Mr Taylor. Uh, Mr Higgins. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Well, I must say, I didn't expect to be here so soon. Two months seems quite a short time to be talking about what we're talking about again today. But today I'm speaking on behalf of the residents of Arxton and Falca. My comments relate to the Five Acres Egyptian Traveller site at Wickham Bonhunt. Only two months ago, this working group agreed with the officer's recommendation that this site was unsuitable for a number of reasons and should not be taken forward in the local plan process. We now hear that in August 2015, the Government published its new planning policy for traveller sites. Officers have been in discussion with their consultants, ORS, since the publication of the new policy. The officers are recommending that a reappraisal of the evidence base is necessary to assess the new need. It is also evident that officers believe it is necessary that all the sites previously put forward as part of a call for sites will need to be revisited in light of the potentially revised need even sites that have been previously been rejected, no doubt I assume at a vast additional cost. The officers and this committee should not confuse need with suitability. Only the definition of need may be changed by the government's new policy, not the sustainability of sites. The non-sustainability of five acres has already been decided, and on behalf of Arkston Paris Council and concerned residents of Arkston, I would like the working group tonight to confirm to us that five acres will not be included as part of the new local plan process. Thank you. Mrs Morgan. Could you just turn the other one off? By all means, use that oh, sorry, one. Sorry, sorry, yes. <laughs> Good evening everybody. My name is Joan Morgan. I'm the chair of Wick and Bonhunt. I'd like to respond to Andrew Taylor's report. Paragraph 15 states, reappraisal of evidence base is required. 
to include in-depth fieldwork on the gypsies and travellers already in our area. Presumably that won't take too long. Paragraph 17 states, Part of the reassessing the evidence base, we will need to reassess all the submissions and revisit previous decisions. Surely the only change that has to be considered is the definition of persons of nomadic habit, whether they are, whether they used to be, or whether they shall be in the future. Surely it does not need any reassessment of previous sites and the decisions made earlier, especially if they were declared unsuitable. The sites will still be unsuitable whether nomadic persons are here, used to be here, or will be here in the future. We are all familiar with the expression, we must stop meeting like this. I would rather we didn't, but that won't happen unless we get the Planning Policies Working Group assurance tonight that five acres will not be up for discussion any time in the future as part of the local plan process. Thank you. Can I just turn that mic off? Oh, sorry, yes. Sorry, thanks. One in the middle? Um, well, it's, it's, it's always a pleasure to have you at these meetings, but uh, I do understand your frustration. And um, it, we've had uh, many an hour discussing this issue. Um, you have to appreciate that Uttlesford District Council uh, and the planning function within it is a tool of government, and uh, central government have changed the criteria. That's a frustration to us all. We invested jointly across Essex uh, in, in the study, and they basically said that we have to do that study again. You'll also appreciate that we live in a litigious world and can be open to judicial review or challenge if we don't follow due process. I do have a lot of sympathy with the argument that says, if it wasn't right the first time, why would it be right the second time? Um, and um, so, I, you know, as I say, I, I think we can stand by that. But we have to go through a process, I regret to say. Um, and um, hopefully for your community that we come out with the same conclusion. But uh, if we don't, uh, we, we are open to challenge. But we will, um, you know, as I say, I don't think uh, things like that change overnight. I will ask Mr Taylor for further comment on this. Uh, but... Um, and indeed, the numbers may come down, so our uh, problem becomes less, and that, I guess, is everybody's hope. Thank you. Um, I would echo your comments. It's deeply frustrating. The last report took 18 months, and that was a 20% appraisal of the existing population. If we need to assess the entire population, it will take a considerable amount of time across Essex. Um, this is not, that's one of the reasons why... You know, this is a significant piece of evidence work that we would need to um, commission, and that's one of the reasons why you know some things change. You know, some sites that we might have that are available might not be because things will change in the next two, three years. Um, but your point is also exactly well made that existing sites with constrained facility, constrained characteristics of whatever reason, highways, flooding, etc. They might not change, and therefore the assessment may be exactly the same. All I'm saying is, to echo your point, we need to do the evidence base, and then we need to do um, uh, an open and transparent assessment of all the sites at that point. 
to make sure they've all been done at the same time to the same methodology so that we have a robust evidence base to go forward. It's not the situation anybody wants to be in, um, but it's the uh, position that we have found ourselves in. Would anybody else like Councillor Oliver? Thank you, Chairman. I've got a, first a question and then, depending on what the, the answer is, a comment afterwards. The recommendation is that the working group note the new published national policy and discuss the approach recommended by officers. Now, is that discussion now, or will that be in the course of a future meeting? Well, if there's a discussion to be had now, then it, it's appropriate to have it now. I mean, this is what um, uh, this is the approach that officers are advising based on the advice from our consultants. So, if members wish to discuss that in terms of um, any issues they have to advise, advise officers, then that's perfectly feasible. Um, we will obviously have to come back at certain stages in the future when obviously this issue can be discussed again. I think the first key piece of work obviously is the assessment and uh, that's unequivocal. We have to do that. Um, now the assessment will dictate what happens after that. So what, I, what we can say is that this working group or its subsequent body uh, we'll have that discussion again. But if I'm correct, Mr. Taylor, uh, that study is fundamental to what happens next. It is really, yeah. It's, it's the starting point um, for the work moving forward, yeah. Well, uh, Chairman, I would like, despite that, and obviously there's a degree of possible discussion now, just to make a few comments, if I may. Paragraph 17 states it's likely that as part of reassessing the evidence base, we will need to carry out a new call for sites and reassess all the submissions in the light of new, the new need figures. The previous decisions, therefore, will need to be revisited. To me, that seems somewhat premature. So why should all the previous decisions need to be revisited? It would appear to me that the officers have come to a conclusion almost before any work is done. Surely that is a decision for this working group. The logic suggests, in view of the tightened definition, that there will be less demand for sites than at present. Therefore, no decision on anything should be taken at this stage until we have a report back from ORS. Further, I should be obliged if the officers could explain how it is intended to discover how we or our consultants propose to ascertain with certainty the qualifications of the travellers as listed in para 12 under 2 A, B and C. Are we really going to ask people if they're going to be nomadic in the future? It's an open invitation to say that they're only taking a break from their normal way of life and there is no way we can gainsay that. We must take, in my opinion, one step at a time. This needs, this needs exercise must be properly and rigorously commissioned and undertaken and reported back to and considered by this working group. This really must happen before we commission the whole rigmarole of calling for sites and having an expensive public consultation. If there are to be any further consultations appointed after ORS, then a formal brief must be agreed by this working group and a proper tender process should take place. Councillor Barker. Uh, Chairman, I'd like to ask about paragraph 15. 
paragraph 15 says that we are required to appraise all gypsies and travellers within our area. That's very easy for the static ones, not quite so easy for those in bricks and mortar that we don't easily identify as, as gypsies and travellers, and even more difficult to assure that people who are passing through and are what we all consider old-fashioned travellers um, are not double-counted or triple-counted as they move around Essex or Kent or up to Suffolk, um, because you can get a very distorted view if you do that. And the, the other issue I suppose I'd like to add to that, and this is very strange, we're appraising all people within our area, that's great, but it's not what we do for housing, is it? We look at people moving out and people moving in and how we might have a duty to cooperate with neighbouring boroughs and districts. And I find it very strange that this is being done totally differently and as a total small unit. Or have I got that wrong? And is it going to be Essex-wide and then a portion somehow that the traveller travellers? I'll let Mr Taylor uh, answer that in due course. Careful what you wish for in terms of a duty to cooperate with gypsies and travellers. Uh, but... Um, just going back to um, Councillor Oliver's point, I, I have some sympathy um, in terms of this, this has got to be done in stages and um, we may not need to do all stages of the work, but, uh, and I'm quite happy for that to come back to this committee. Um, all, any expenditure in this, by this council goes through a due diligence process in terms of tender. So that happened when the consultants were appointed. I know those consultants weren't to everybody's liking, but uh, that's quite slightly different from saying the process wasn't right. Um, but uh, clearly we can, we, we can look at that process, and if this committee wants to make a team decision, then we can consider that as well. Um, I, I think I, I take also your point about uh, point C of the criteria, which is a pretty difficult one to assess. And I think we've got to be, um, you know, whilst at all stages we have to follow the law, otherwise we will be uh, challenged. So that's uh, a non sequitur. But uh, I think some degree of robustness in the process is probably also all, is called for. Mr. Taylor. Thank you. I mean, I think the points that um, two councillors have picked up in terms of how you do the evidence are um, spot on. Um, the difficulty we have is the government didn't choose to publish any helpful guidance about how one might do it as part of this because they don't do guidance anymore. Um, so we're in a brave new world, if you see what I mean, by ourselves. The, the consultants um, are due to meet together with a number of other consultants who do this work with, with CLG to try and get some more guidance. Um, but yes, the points that Councillor Oliver raised in terms of, yes, you'll be going up to asking each person, are you, do you, is it, have you settled for life or do you intend to travel again? Well, at some way, yes, we're going to have to ask those questions and take an assessment of it. Um, at the moment, I don't know how that will be done, but that is the inference that we have to do to meet the government change in policy. Um, it's without any history in relation to how you do this, without any detailed guidance from government, it's very difficult and the consultants, together with their colleague consultants, will be trying to come up with, with methodologies to try and approach this, this, this issue. Um, I think the, the, the other issue, just in relation to uh, assessing the sites, and I completely hear what everyone says, but we need to be sure that we've approached at the appropriate time, which might be a number of years from now, that we've assessed all the sites clearly at the same time 
Think about the last local plan process and the, if you like, the, the paper chase that happened in terms of the different the change over time and the length of time. This call for sites happened in 2012. All right. um, uh, this call for sites um, happened, happened at a particular time, and the length of time has, well, has developed over a number of years. So we need to be sure that when we've got to the, the stage with new evidence base, we then carry out a robust assessment of all the sites at that point, and that might mean that you know. The, some other wonderful sites suddenly appear out of the woodwork that we don't know about. You know, we're, we're not in that situation now, which is why we have to ensure that we're addressing each site on the same basis at that time, even, that, even if it means we have to reassess some sites, we might come to exactly the same conclusion, but we have to assess them all at that time to make sure they're all at the same, same base level of information. Councillor Harris. Uh, sorry. Oh. I put your no, I was thing's still on. You're still alive. Oh, sorry. I apologise. Sorry, just to be clear, it does rather seem, though, that we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater, and that flies in the face of what we're doing with the local plan in general. There were bits that the inspectorate said we could maintain, we shouldn't throw away, um, and that we should keep some of those in the bank, really, um, whilst we look to address some of the um, shortcomings that we had. And yet this, this doesn't... This, feels like we're doing exactly the opposite. I, I understand that the goalposts have been moved um, and I understand that we do have to carry out um, new assessments but if something has been rejected and we've sat here two months ago and agreed that it, it is an unsuitable and unsustainable site, I worry about our own credibility if we go back on that just two months later, but it seems to me that that isn't what we're assessing this on anyway. We have a new definition of what a traveller is um, and how we are going to assess what those numbers are. I, I, it doesn't seem to make any logical sense to me whatsoever that we would put something back into the pot unnecessarily. I think the, the, the point that Mr Taylor is, is making is that it could be quite an exercise to get the definition of these travellers um, and in um, a number of years, it could be a number of years time, um, what was unsuitable might be suitable, what was suitable might be unsuitable. Uh, that is perfectly possible because the world moves on and I, I don't, you know, as I said to uh, the two speakers, it was a pretty clear case, so it's unlikely that that is going to change. I, I agree with you on that point. Um, but I, I think the, the, the sense of this meeting is threefold. One, we take it one step at a time, so we'll come back to this meeting about whether we do a, a reassessment of all submissions based on the first piece of evidence. Uh, so if, if, if we could take some notes here because we're slightly changing the recommendation so we'll come back to that uh, that uh, we work with others to gain clarity from the Department of Community and Local Government as to exactly what they mean because we should not go embark on, an, uh, 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 on a, a piece of work that doesn't have clarity um, and I have confidence, actually, that uh, normally these things do resolve themselves, that there will be some very much tighter definition. But I think we need that tighter definition before uh, we move forward. Um, and um, and the, uh, the, the, the third thing is that when we appoint new consultants, we would do that in a fully transparent way. So ho hopefully that takes account of the um, two speakers. I haven't given you your unequivocal answer that you are seeking, but um, there will be another 
chance to speak and have that session. We will take this one step at a time. Uh, we have to uh, be mindful that the government has changed the criteria, so we will understand what that means. I'm sorry, I can't take any more speakers. Um, that we will be mindful of what that uh, means and then go on uh, after that. Oh, is the committee content with that um, approach? Councillor Lodge. No, I'm, I'm, I'm still disturbed I, I, about doing a reassessment of the sites. I can see, I can see the need for looking at the definition um, of what the, the, the Gypsum Traveller community is, but I have to agree with the speakers, and I think the feelings of a number of members of the uh, group here, that um, I would not want to go back and do an assessment. On, on, on some of the sites which have already failed. We're talking about five acres in particular. And the process here is rather different because we don't have areas of search, as I understand it, for this element of the, of the overall plan. So what it will always still come down to will be individual sites coming to the planning committee uh, for approval. So um, I really do not see the point of going at this stage and reassessing the sites, particularly sites that have failed. So I would not, I would not vote uh, this uh, group for that reassessment. Sorry, for the, for the reassessment of the sites. Yes, obviously for the definition. Yeah, the difficulty there with, and it's highly unlikely, uh, but at this stage, if we do a reassessment and we have to find 50 pitches, as I say, it is highly unlikely, so I don't want to set any hairs running, um, then we, as with the houses, we're going to have to find uh, those sites, having gone through all the process and come up with a figure. So it is inappropriate at this stage uh, to rule out uh, any of the options. But we have been through a robust process. It is highly unlikely that something that was turned down the first time is likely to be upturned the next time. And it is also quite possible that we won't have to do the exercise anyway because we'll be looking for fewer sites. But I, I, I think it's inappropriate to rule out uh, all our options at this stage. I, as I've indicated, I'm absolutely content to bring the decision as to whether we review all sites back to another meeting. So I'm um, quite happy for you to have another uh, bite at that cherry, if you wish. But I, I, I think it is inappropriate until we've seen the evidence from the numbers that we're going to have to accommodate um, that, that we make that decision tonight. So, for clarity, what are we voting on now? We've, uh, the, the, there are two elements. There's looking at the, uh, the definition and there's reassessing sites. What are we going to vote on? To, to, what are we going to authorise officers to do from tonight? Point one is that we're doing what the government has instructed us to do, which is to, to redefine travellers and gypsies. And we will do that, uh, as I've indicated, in a coherent way. Uh, we, we, we severely question point C, uh, we would want a much tighter definition so that it was a logical process and we won't start it until we've got that definition. So that's, that's the first thing that we're asking officers to do. They will come back with that information and it might be years, am I correct in saying that? Before they come back with that information. At that point, we will decide uh, whether uh, we, how we approach it based on the numbers. And the working committee could well say uh, I do not want to include uh, a reassessment of previously dismissed sites at that point. So you will have that vote then? Yeah, so we just, we, we're just doing part A. We're just doing Correct. the first part. Correct. Okay. 
Councillor Harris. But just to be clear then, if this is a process that could take years, the people that we committed that we wouldn't take this forward to two months ago could now be in a, a state of uncertainty for a number of years. We were all in a state of uncertainty. There could be a new development uh, next to your house, my house, Councillor Barker's house, anything. We have to go through a process, and that, unfortunately, is the nature of planning. Councillor Barker. Uh, can I just confirm that this reassessment of Gypsy and travellers themselves will be on public, private, authorised, unauthorised and travelling? It will be the whole lot, whether they've been in the same place for whatever. But it won't take into account the needs of those in settled bricks and mortar? No, it will have to take into account those in bricks and mortar as well. Yeah, because that's what the report did last time, so it will need to reassess that because there might be under B and C an intention to, to go back into a nomadic life. I mean... The, the but if under, I, sorry, if under B and C there's an intention of travellers who are perhaps currently sitting in council accommodation, they're going to go back to whatever then that will surely affect our choix, or our... In a very minor way, oh, yes. OK, yeah. thank yeah. you. I mean, I, the difficulty is, and I, I hear what Councillor Olsen says about the definition, but the, this is the definition that is in national guidance, um, and this is what, what you know, we will need to work with. If our consultants can jointly get further information you know, in terms of how to approach it, then that's absolutely fine in terms of developing the evidence base. Um, and... Yes, we will need to um, come back with, with the approach that we intend to take at that time once we've got the evidence base and the numbers and this is, these are the next stages, just like we've done in relation to the housing and setting the strategy. Um, so, but, it, as I said, the last study across Essex took 18 months to do, so you know, these aren't short pieces of work because of the level of, the level of com, you know, councils involved and also the level of um, sites to visit and, and appraise. One, one question. This could then run longer than the rest of our local plan. So what's the implication there? Yes, that's something else we need to um, unpack because obviously uh, you'll remember previously that we were doing it separately and then we merged it back in again. Um, and probably what we will need to do is um, look at setting some overarching strategy potentially in the local plan, certainly uh, detailed development management policies. Um, but then we may have to do our allocations documents separately. But at this stage, we haven't worked that out in detail. But yes, it does have implications. Okay, so the um, question on the table is that we ask officers to undertake the piece of work that has been commissioned by government, gaining as much transparency in that process. And if the consultants don't uh, help, then we can take that up through our local Member of Parliament to gain the clarity that is appropriate. Um, and then we bring that, the, the outcome of that back to this meeting. Those in favour of that recommendation? Those against? Those abstaining? Oh, four. Carried unanimously. I thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I thank the members of the public uh, for this meeting. Uh, we are making good progress with our plan, and long may that continue. Thank you.